start. I don't feel so good. You're alright. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Hey, hurry. I don't wanna go. I don't wanna go, sir. Please. Please, I don't wanna go. I don't wanna go. You're listening to Geek Media Core, your weekly podcast for all things geek pop culture. What's up, geeks? I am Mike, and this is issue number 126 of the Geek Media Core podcast, where this week we are talking about the Spider-Man Exodus, the Obi-Wan series that everyone except us asked for, and new episodes of He-Man? Uh, okay. But we begin by welcoming back the man who just wants to talk about Idris Elba's eating habits. What's up, Danny? You know what? That is, it is such a great interview. We're talking about the Hot Ones interview. He is so cocky until he hits that spice level, and then he is so humbled after that moment. It's really fascinating. And since it was Idris Elba, the internet probably thinks it's like the greatest acting job ever, right? Oh, it turned into, it turned into a meme. Like, everyone's using it for, like, what the fuck news. Like, I just saw a post with the news that we'll discuss in a little bit, and it's like Tom Holland's reaction. And it's <laughs> well, we'll get to that. As of this recording, Spider-Man is no longer part of the MCU, but I have a feeling, and we'll get to it, that that will be changing before, uh, probably before this even uh, gets podcasted. Uh, yeah. But before we begin, since it has been like a month since we did a podcast, because after Comic Con's always kind of like a dead time for us, and we're like, we're not going to force it and talk about nothing. Uh, so uh, we've had a month of stuff to do. So Danny, if you tell me the 100 again, I'm going to banish you. So no, tell me, what have you watched, read, listened to, or played over the last month since we talked? Because we will talk about the 100 officially in the show. Mm. Uh, I won't talk about the 100. I will just keep saying the 100 you know, to, to build a little frequency there so people can be like, oh, what's the 100? I have still been binging The Wire. It is a very, very slow binge. I'm still season one. Um, you know, summer gets a little busy, but uh, I enjoy The Wire. It, it's still a trip that I, I will see characters from all these other projects, and this is where they got their start, and I just never realized it. So um, I, I struggle with seeing Big Julian as a, as a bad guy or quote-unquote bad guy. Uh, that one's the most jarring to me, Big Julian from Remember the Titans. I don't know the actor's name, but seeing him as uh, Avion a- Barksdale's, uh, yeah, it's it's a trip. It really is. Did you make it through season two yet? I, I'm still in season one. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Season one is like a lightning pace compared to season two. Oh. Just letting you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's already slow as it is. It's just a heavy, it's a dense show. It is a show that I have to focus on. It is by no uh, means it's bad. bad. It's by no means bad. No. It's just very, very slow. Very slow. Yeah. I don't even I, slow is not even the word. It's just a, it's a show that you can't like text or be on your phone or, or like you have to focus to capture all of these characters and connect all of these threads and and really get what's going on. It's, it's a show where every line really does matter, and that's really. I think that's the most impressive thing to me is that there's no wasted space in the show. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of it by now. I've been, I mean, me and my wife binged the uh, the first season of The Boys on Amazon, which is adapted from the Garth Ennis comic. Now, Garth Ennis is the one who wrote Preacher. And I hadn't actually read this comic, but after I finished the first season, I went and read the comic up until where the show ends, uh, season one ends. And I'll just say it's a much better adaptation than that shitty job that AMC has done with Preacher. So uh, it, that, it's pretty cool. Basically, imagine if the Justice League um, was bought by a corporation and privatized. That's that's what the whole essence of the show is: is that superheroes have been commercialized and turned into uh, you know just profiting from you know big corporations and stuff. So there's a lot of political commentary and stuff like that that I think that you dig. And every one of the characters you can you can. Say okay, that's definitely Wonder Woman. That's definitely Superman. That's the Flash. You know, it's got all those characters that I think that you would find uh, relatable. But what makes it different than most of superhero television is it's basically, you know, just 
you saw some of the reviews were like, oh, this is it's like making fun of Marvel, you know, because everybody's got to protect Marvel, which we'll get into in a second, you know, because Marvel can't take care of themselves. Nobody roots for Marvel, so, uh, you know, so there's, there's, there's definitely that, but I think everyone who actually has watched it has enjoyed the show, and uh, I'd recommend it, but I don't think you have any streaming services anymore, so I can't recommend it to you. Uh, no, I do not have any streaming services until November 12th, so we'll get there. Yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and talk about Disney because they don't have anything. Um, so the news broke today that uh, you know we all we already knew that Disney and Sony had come to an agreement back in 2014 for Spider-Man to make five appearances in the MCU, and so he's had his two movies. He's had the two Avengers movies and uh, Civil War. So there's your five. Three when, Avengers movies. When they was there three. Well, I mean, Civil War is essential. Okay, I got you. So basically, you thought with uh, Spider-Man Far From Home capping off the end of the phase that that meant, okay, they're going to try. They're going to probably work something out. Well, the news broke today that uh, it has not happened. Uh, Basically, Sony walked out. Disney walked out. There will be no deal. Um, As of this moment, there is no deal. Personally, I think that they're going to work something out. This is just a negotiating tactic. If you remember back in 2014 when they were doing this, several times, oh, talks broke down, talks broke down, Kevin Feige walked out. This is just a negotiating tactic. Apparently, what the deal was, if you believe Deadline, Deadline has the numbers here, the current profit profit sharing is that Disney gets 5% of the profits of of, of the Spider-Man movies. Okay, so they came to the table this time and said, we want to do a 50-50 split, and somebody said bye. So I can understand not wanting to give a like a 45% increase, uh, but uh, me and Fro were talking about it. They'll probably come somewhere around 30 or something like that and come with a deal. But as of right now, let's talk about this as if they are not going to come to a deal and Spider-Man is uniquely a Sony property again. What are you thinking, Danny? If Spider-Man is not a... Uh Shared property is what I'll refer to him as. It's not good for Sony. Um, you said it's a negotiating tactic, walking away from the table. It's also a negotiating tactic that you know Kevin Feige's like, oh yo, deadline. You want to know some crazy shit that's been going down? Because as soon as this news dropped, as soon as it did, the light that's portrayed on it is that Sony said no. It's that Sony stockholders freaked out and their stocks went down. And you can tell, like, if you if you look at a, a time lapse, a, a graph of it, as soon as that news leaks, that graph is going down, 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 down. Um, and, the, and the other piece of this, of course, being that uh, if you look at Twitter, I would say it's probably about seventy five percent pro Marvel, twenty five percent pro Sony, which is uh, amazing. Sony looks bad. Sony looks bad across the board, which means Marvel has used the right tactics because now Sony has to pick up the phone and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, we can find a number and we can, we can agree on something. Look, I'm not going to pour one out for Marvel here, okay? Everything they touch turns to gold. How are they going to feed their children? How is Kevin Feige going to feed his children? Yeah, everything they touch turns to gold. I'm not, you want to go back to the very beginning and talk about how Sony's being selfish and shit? No one made Marvel sell the movie rights to Spider-Man all those years ago, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm just coming at this strictly from the business side of it. I'm not going to be mad at Sony for this. If I'm sharing something, a property with someone, and they come to me and say, hey, we want a 45% increase, I'm going to tell you to get bent, okay? <laughs> I mean, look, Into the Spider-Verse, very successful. Very, very, very well received. Won an Oscar. Okay, technically, I mean, I guess it won an Oscar before the MCU did, right? Yeah, the same show. The um, first, it's the first one. Yeah, yeah. So they got that Venom. Despite some people saying they didn't like it, big hit for them. What did I tell you? I said as soon as they, what I was worried about was with Venom actually being successful was it was going to make them start thinking that they knew what they were doing again. And then Spider Verse right on top of that. And you know what? I want to believe maybe they figured out. Maybe they figured out. Let's get people who know the character, and you get into the Spider Verse. So. If this is – thing, you know, guys know by now how I feel about Sony Pictures. I think they are the most incompetently run studio there is next to Warner Brothers in charge of the DC properties. They are right there with them. So, yeah, it's kind of scary. But I'm also – right now I'm like, well, shit, they ain't started filming Venom 2 yet. Is there a chance I could get my max on Carnage? So that's the first thing that pops into my head because I'm not going to lie, guys. 
I'm lukewarm on the Marvels, the Marvel Spider-Man movies. It's Iron Spider. I don't care about Iron Spider. I want Spider-Man. So uh, we talked about in our review. I'm lukewarm on these. I got to see Spidey with the Avengers. I'm happy. So that's why I think I'm probably not as upset about it as everybody else is this. I want to see Venom and Spider-Man on my screen together. So I'm, I guess I'm in that 25%. <laughs> I think from a business perspective, it, it makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, I saw a tweet that said, 100% of 800 million is more than 50% of 1 billion. It's math. Like, Sony has every right to say, like, hey, no, nah, like, we're getting screwed in this deal. Um, like you say, when you, when you jump from 5% to 50%, like, that's like, you, you skipped a couple of steps there. Uh, a couple of steps there, pal. So on that perspective, I get where Sony's coming from. On the other perspective, that's assuming that a Sony movie where you know Spider-Man plays no role in the MCU is going to draw 800 million. Like maybe that's what it did before when you had the two Spider-Man series previously. There's no guarantee because as we've seen lately, especially with how many times Marvel fan Marvel diehards go to the theater to bump up these numbers, that they're probably a petty group. And they're probably a group that would be like, nah, nah, we're going to tank the reviews. We're going to tank the Rotten Tomato scores. Like, they will squash everything there. That said, my biggest fear, if they don't come to a deal, and this will sound weird coming from me, Tom Holland is still contractually obligated. But let's be honest. If you're Tom Holland and you're sitting there yesterday and you're like, hey, I'm about to be the face of the Avengers, the centerpiece of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm going to be the biggest star this side of Robert Downey Jr. And then the next day, Sony's like, yeah, no, nah, we're going we're gonna to pull you back over here. You can't play with your friends anymore. I wouldn't want to go to work. I mean, that's just me. I, would, like, I wouldn't care. I'd phone it in. I'd, like, whatever. But Sony knows that they do have another Spider-Man that is successful. My fear is that Sony would be like, cool, Tom Holland, you don't want to play ball. Here comes death of Peter Parker, and we rush into the Miles Morales thing. I'm a big Miles Morales fan. I don't want that. I, I want it to be earned. I, I, I really want Peter Parker around for five, ten years in the cinematic universe before you like pull the heartstrings again and like get rid of him and, and like make it mean something. Because you only really get one shot at this to do it right, at least in my youthful lifetime. Um, so I, I don't want to see it fall through just because of that. And because as I texted you earlier, I want my goddamn Sinister Six thing. If we have to go back to zero again, if I have to see Uncle Ben die again, I'm going to be so pissed. I just want the Sinister Six. I want that movie in the worst possible way. I think there's Give definitely, me, there's definitely, I think there's definitely pluses and minuses here. Um, I don't know how much anybody puts talking to Midnight's Edge, very popular YouTube channel. They have a lot of insider connections. And they had laid out why it was basically uh, Iron Man, Spider-Man, or son of, son of Iron Man. And basically yeah. any property that they used in the MCU, it's like locked and they can't use it on, for Sony. So like Sony can't use Mysterio or Vulture for like the next decade or something like that. So, yeah, if this is the deal, there is no Sinister Six unless they just do it. I mean, there's different forms of the Sinister Six, but you wouldn't have Vulture or Mysterio in there. So, I mean, the- I want Michael Keaton back. Michael yeah. Keaton. I, I was just watching Homecoming the other day. Michael Keaton is so good in Homecoming. He's ter- he's like legit terrifying. I love it. Yeah, yeah. He's the he's the only good part of it, I'd argue. <laughs> uh, I, I understand why people are upset. I mean, if this, if this version of Spider-Man clicked for them, I think Tom Holland's wonderful. I just don't like this Iron Man version of Spider Man. It's not. It's not what I want. I don't. I mean, Spider. I mean, you are correct. This this Spider Man essentially replaces Uncle Ben with, you know, Tony Stark, and I understand that because it's Robert Downey Jr. If you can put Robert Downey Jr. in the movie, you're going to put Robert Downey Jr. in the movie. Um, I, I, it would be a shame if this is how Tom Holland's run ends as Spider Man, or even. I, I think he would show up for the third movie and do the job, but. I mean, if you say that anything that Marvel you that MC the MCU used is off limits, then J. Jonah Jameson is off the table, then, right? I I don't know the exact Maybe? figures of how yeah. he uses, but yeah, that would that would sound uh, like it. 
I, I man, I don't know. There's just so many moving parts. I think we'll get you know more details as it comes out. Like I said, by the time this is podcasted, they'll probably have been like, hey, let's hold on. We got we got we got something coming on here. And you know, no one knows damage control better than Disney, so they're probably all over that. They're probably blaming Russian bots or something like that for the story anyway, right? That's what I mean. Business wise, it it works best for both parties to play ball with each other. Like, let's not pretend that. Sony is the only one that hurts. If Marvel doesn't get Spider-Man, that is that is their flagship character. Like, let's right. not lie. We can talk about Robert Downey Jr. all day we want. Spider-Man is by far their best character. He also has their best rogues gallery. I mean, everyone keeps talking about Norman Osborn. Eventually, yes, we want Norman Osborn to show up again and actually be done right and not Spider-Man floating head thing, whatever the hell Um it, Marvel would lose a lot, and we can't afford that. They can't afford that. Fans can't afford that. Sony can't afford that. I think you're right. I think 30% is 25, 30% is probably what it gets to, which is still a, an increase for Marvel. But if they both walk away from each other, I, it just it doesn't end well. I mean, Sony's movies are going to sputter. Marvel's, I mean, they positioned Spider Man to be the face of the MCU for the next 10 years. So they would have to do some recalibrating and, you know, I, I love the guy, but blade is not going to be <laughs> the heartbeat of the Marvel cinematic. Universe. Uh, look, I think I've already told you about my diminishing interest in the next phase of Marvel. So if you're going to tell me Spider-Man's not going to be there anymore either. Oh boy, you're starting to get really, really thin. You know, you've already making Thor take the bench in his own movie. And then you're going to tell me you're going to take uh, Spider-Man away. Yay. All right. Great. Uh, you better move up the X-Men is all I would say if this ends up being uh, being permanent. But uh, I, I'm on the record saying uh, I would bet a, a hell of a lot of money that this this gets worked out. But it, it leads up to a good chance for us to talk about how Gollum himself, Andy Serkis, is going to be directing the Venom sequel uh, with, with Woody Harrelson as Clears Cassidy and, and Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock. So maybe Tom Holland as Spider-Man, huh? <laughs> I can see... Marvel wouldn't do it, but I could see Sony being like, no, let's do a complete rewrite. I could totally see Sony doing that. Marvel wouldn't. They'd be like, no, we got our plan. I mean, they really rewrite Civil War to, to, to yeah. do that when they got Spider-Man. So they wouldn't do it, but I could see Sony being like, yeah, let's, 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 let's speed run this shit. They ain't started recording yet. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as Andy Serkis goes, Good for him. great for him. We, we both are fans of, of Andy. We both love his work. Uh, he is the CGI God. Um, if, you know, if there was a CGI Mount Rushmore, he is the biggest face on that, that little mountain. Uh, could not think of a better director to work with. Essentially like two of your main characters in the movie are going to be CGI based. Uh, it helps that he has probably two of the best 10 actors in Hollywood. If, and that's my own personal, like off the, off the cuff, like you've got Tom Hardy, who's the ultimate chameleon, uh, who would have been a great choice to play Chameleon, by the way, because of that. I would actually really would have loved to see that. I'm hard to play anything. Yeah. And then you got Woody Harrelson, who's... A legend. Like, at the peak of his like powers, I feel like. He is just in such a good groove lately. And to put those two in, in a sandbox and have Andy Serkis do all the CGI, and you know he always does it top-notch. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I could not be more excited for a Venom movie. I'll be more excited if they got rid of the hair, but that's another thing for another time. Uh, like I, I, I tweeted you the, uh, I was reading maximum carnage the other day and I was basically, uh, I got a, uh, I got a Kindle. So I'm moving all my, just all my books off there. So I made all the room for all my comics just off of my iPad. So I put them on there and I kept, I kept getting delayed because I kept reading some of them, but you know, the, the first like two pages of maximum carnage, boom, he is carnage. So there you go. There you go. So you're just going to have Woody Harrelson do a mocap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go. Woody Harrelson being unhinged. It's do what it's be your craziest and most insane version of yourself, Woody Harrelson. Uh, but hey, good for good for Andy. You know, for a while yeah. there, I felt like he was just going to be the guy you go to whenever you need CGI. But, you know, uh, that that, really that Jungle Book movie, Mowgli, didn't really work out. He got kind of screwed over in that. But, you know, that's just Warner Brothers being Warner. Uh, but, uh Good for him. Good for him. I'm I'm excited for the dude. You know, he did a lot of second unit directing uh, for The Hobbit and stuff. So, uh, good on him for getting a start that way. And uh, hey, 
That's yeah. awesome. And, you know, especially I'll, since he I can't mean, come back for Black Panther too. It's not like he, you know, they're going to bring him back for that. Hey, were you into the Matrix movies when they came out? I've never seen a Matrix movie. Really? Wow. Were you too young when they came out? Uh, too young, but like I was never into Keanu Reeves as a thing. And it's, weird. it's weird that Keanu Reeves is a thing now. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm open, I'm open to the Matrix now. Look, Keanu never actually went away. He's just, like you just said about Woody, at the peak of his powers. It feels like right now Keanu is at the peak of his powers. It feels like he yeah. can do no wrong. It's crazy mm-hmm. to me that I thought this dude's career was over and then John Wick just completely made him like a pop culture phenomenon again. And I mean, we got Bill and Ted three coming out. Everyone seems to be excited about that. I thought it was just me. (laughs) And now they're going to be making matrix four. I thought they were just talking about doing like a, not necessarily a reboot, but kind of like a spinoff and Neo is just going to be Neo and kind of pass the torch kind of thing. But they're doing a four with Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss at the return. One of the Rakowski, Sisters? Are they sisters now? Yeah. Uh, one of the Bukowskis. So, uh, hey, I looked at it and I was talking to Fro about it and I was like, it can't be worse than Matrix 3 was, but, you know, I saw Jupiter Ascending, so it's always possible. Uh, basically, Danny, I don't know that the Matrix works where we are right now. Uh, they're using landlines and flip phones and modems and shit in that movie. Uh, black leather trench coats are definitely out. Uh, so I have no idea what that's going to be unless it just flat out takes place in the 90s. I mean, changing when it starts or when it when it, when it is, it's not a hard thing. In, in my opinion, I think you can always shift that. As soon as Keanu came back, I, I always thought this was a possibility because if anything, you strike when the iron's hot and there's no hotter iron right now than Keanu Reeves. He's in video games. He's in... Netflix movies, he's in real movies, he's bringing back all his old hits. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be Keanu, and a Keanu vehicle, and I imagine he will have a lot of say into the creation process. My suggestion is take it light take on the story it. and just make it just all make it. action, just all gunplay, and you'll have a hit on your hands. That's that's what I think. I mean, you know, it revolutionized stuff with the bullet time and all that kind of stuff, so I mean, it's they got to do something. They got to do something to feel like they can, uh, you know, be memorable because it's not like they can use the idea of us all living in a matrix again. You know, I mean, that's 20 years old now. The first movie came out 20 years ago this year. So uh, you should watch that first one though. I think you'd enjoy it. All right. I'll I'll add it to the list. The list of stuff that he won't watch. Hey, you know what what I'm not going to watch? James Bond 25, but it did get an official title, Danny. And I want you to go to the theater and I want you to be honest and tell me if it's a James Bond movie or if it's just if it's like Thor four where yeah hey James Bond yeah you can go sit over there this is this new this new girl here we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna focus on her but anyway it's called No Time to Die which means he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I like the title. It, it feels very Bond. No I time. Like the teaser it, it had the music in it. it I mean, it, they love die in these titles. Die another day. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. I think I'm missing one. Live and Let Die. Uh, die. No, you only live twice. Now it's going to be No Time to Die, so you only live three times, maybe? Yeah. Um, I I mean, it's just a title release. It has a a little flashy, like, animation. Uh, The style looks very 80s, so it's interesting to me because, like, that would mean we're going back to the Dalton days. And we're we're both – we both have said Dalton – He's the proto Daniel Craig. He's Daniel Craig before Daniel Craig became a thing. Uh, so if we wanted to go back to that kind of James Bond, I'm, I'm for it. I, I dig the vibe. Um, but, I mean, until I see a trailer, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I keep hearing Rami Malik's uh, that commercial for the hotel that he did. Like I, That's all I keep thinking in my head. It works because that's a Bond villain to me. It really is. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I love Daniel Craig. I've made no bones about it. He is my favorite James Bond. I think he has shown an older, tired, broken down James Bond. And with his last hurrah, like I think everyone's going to expect him to die. I will say because of that, I don't see him dying. Um, but I don't know. Like I feel like everything is on the table for this James Bond. Uh, I think this will be, they will do their best to send Daniel Craig out with a, one of the biggest bonds of, uh, of all time, especially since it's the 25th bond. Uh, first things first, uh, I don't think you get an actor like Rami Malek and you don't ask him to be quirky. 
You know, yeah. so yeah, he's definitely going to be quirky, and hopefully, I can understand him. I'm like Javier Bardem. Uh, that'd be really nice. Uh, but uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, Far From Home knocked off Skyfall, Sony's uh, best, highest-grossing movie of all time. Yeah, yeah. See, so they're all cocky now. They got Jumanji, yeah. and then they got the, see, see. I told you, I told you yeah. it was going to happen. Um, as far as Bond 25, uh, I'm most excited that me, you, and Scott finally get to do our James Bond special. You know, I, I actually got all the books on my Kindle, and so maybe I'll read a couple of them before before we do that. I, I've never actually read any of Ian Fleming's books, so I think they're only like 160 pages or something, so I could probably burn through those in like a weekend. <laughs> so, uh, I will just say this, because we now have the No Time to Die title. Please, 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 go go out and go to Radiohead and be like, yo. Muse. Like, Muse, Radiohead, somebody... Like that vein, give me give me that kind of James Bond thing. My fear, not my fear, because I I do love Billie Eilish. That's where I think they will go, because she plays in that kind of dark poppy space that is hot right now. But I, I would really love to see like a Muse, especially like finally get their shot. Like if you want to go big, Muse's orchestra rock at its finest, epic rock. Like give me that, um, because that's who. Them or Radiohead stuff like that. Like, give me, give me that. I know that, but you know what? It's it, it, they're not. It, it, it no. can't be worse than Spectre. I don't think. I don't know. You know, I, I mean, did, the, I didn't hate the movie, kind of like everybody else did, but I did not care for the theme song at all. The the thing with Spectre is that I mean, it was so obvious that they were trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice with by say, hey, cool, biggest British star. You you have an Adele like voice. Let's go for it. Um, so I really hope that they learn from that and take it into you know, more of the rock direction. Uh, get, give me something a little bit more anthemic. Seems like they've done something different almost every time. So, so uh, you know, who knows? We'll see. You know what I can guarantee, though? Those opening credits are going to be top class because those only get better with time. I love the tentacle porn in Spectrum. It was, it was, it was. <laughs> uh, speaking of it's, it's, on. It, you remember it. It's very striking. It really is. It made me think of Octopussy, which is an awesomely <laughs> underrated movie. Uh, but speaking of James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, bro, he is rumored. Well, it's not rumored. Matt Reeves doing the Batman wants Pierce Brosnan to play the new Alfred. And at first, I'm like, he is not old enough. Now, he's 66 years old. Oh, my. I I didn't know that that was real or not. Like, Well, I mean, it's a, it's a rumor, so we should take it as rumor. But, I mean, the, the, the source that had it has gotten – that was the first one to say about Pattinson. So I'm, I'm rolling with it that they know what Matt Reeves is wanting. But – um. Do I think Pierce Brosnan do it? Sure. What's he up to these days? That the Sun show didn't got didn't last very long. What's he doing? I mean, he is sixty six. I'm sure you he's know, British. So he got I mean, that. <laughs> a little color to the hair, sure. Uh, I think it's weird because, like, when we think of Alfred, we think of those uh, the I guess the the Burton Schumacher Alfred of an old frail guy. Mm. Lately, uh, you know, whether it's the Gotham TV show or the Pennyworth show or whatever the hell it is, or, you know, Jeremy Irons, like they've really tried to make Alfred a more like, Hey, he's a retired spy. He's a retired uh, army colonel. So, I mean, who better than James Bond? And he he can teach Batman how to uh, parasail on over, over over a waterfall. If, if (laughs) I'm okay with it, if we get a scene of, Alfred and Batman boxing and we get to see James Bond punch a vampire in the face. Like if you give me that one scene, I'm going to laugh and I'm going to love that movie regardless of everything else. I'm just, I'm kind of, and I know I'm just starting to sound jaded on this whole superhero thing. And I think somewhat I'm getting there, which is weird because I'm the target demographic for this. And I've told you this on text messages. I think it's just the exhaustion of every single time there's a casting or an announcement. Yeah. It's just this big shit storm between everybody. And it's just kind of made me exhausted about it, which is crazy when you have a podcast to talk about these things. But, mm. uh, fandom exhausting now. Yeah. It really has just become exhausting. And, and that's why I think I'm not excited about Joker, even though it looks really good. Uh, but I mean, with the Batman, I want to say cool because Matt Reeves did an awesome job with all of his Planet of the Apes movies. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, I'm just kind of like in a holding pattern right now with him because I think Birds of Prey looks ridiculously. It sounds insane and absurd. And apparently now they're doing the reshoots because uh, they're going to Suicide Squad it. They want to make it funnier. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's again, that's rumors and stuff. But I mean, it, was Aquaman really the last thing we got from them? 
Yeah, because we'll have the Joker. Um, the trailer for Wonder Woman 84 drops in December, the first one, uh, which it, uh, I'm surprised they're waiting that long. It feels like an eternity. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, after, I guess Shazam, we forgot Shazam. I'll see it. That's the thing with Shazam. Very good movie. I already forgot. But I, mean, I mean, it's sandwiched around Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, like yeah. all these other movies. So, yeah, uh, DC is going to have to really amp up the PR because it, it's been pretty damn quiet. No, man, they're screwed because, I mean, Shazam was a great movie and no one went and saw it. Go Joker, watch. Joker's like tracking for like 90 million. Everybody's saying it's like a, a best picture contender and it's, it's barely tracking to crack 100 million. For Joker, the most popular villain in all of pop culture, Joker is not even tracking for a hundred million. I would say Darth Vader is the most popular villain in pop culture. I can see flip a coin, flip a coin on yeah. those. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can. I mean, best picture doesn't mean that you draw money. I mean, I look at like every best picture winner. Out there. Sure, that stuff's all done before the movie's even like recorded. They they have that stuff in place. You're right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if we're talking about the Joker as best picture nominations, like you better be prepared for the biggest, you know, advertising drive ever by Marvel Studios. Because if we're talking the Joker as a possibility, you bet your sweet ass they will throw every last dollar to make sure Avengers Endgame not only gets nominated, but possibly wins. I think that is inevitable. All right. Um it, uh, we've talked about it before because it's the horror movie that got casuals like Danny who aren't really horror guys to go to the theater and see it. So it was a pop culture phenomenon for sure. And unexpected. You said it this time. Uh, it wasn't unexpected for me. But uh, <laughs> uh, you said you described You were it surprised time. by the box office. You were surprised by how big that that got. I thought it would do well. Uh, I didn't think it was going to like be the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. No, that, that, that blew me away. But the word that you've used to describe It Chapter 2 is it, it feels like an event. Well, time would agree with you here because apparently right now it is tracking for $138 million opening. And guys, this is an R-rated movie. This is not a Marvel movie. This is not made by Disney. This is a horror movie tracking, a hard R horror movie tracking for they're saying right now, like it's looking like a ceiling of like a hundred fifty million dollar opening weekend, three day. That is insane. And you know what? One hundred thirty eight million is the number right now. I'm going over, over. Mm. I think I think it'll hit. I think it'll hit about that. Um, I know the first impressions are supposed to be released today, um, tonight actually. Oh, is it? Uh, okay, great. I'm not going. I'm not going to look at them because I don't want my view colored by anything. Oh, don't worry, I, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm going. I know I'm going to go watch this movie. I don't want to be swayed beforehand of like, oh, like is it good? Is it great? Is it bad? Is it? Is it just okay? Um, it does feel like an event. It is a movie that, I, and even today in the office, I, I heard um, people talking about it weeks ahead of it, and like, like you don't hear that in the office about when it comes to movies, especially when you work with a bunch of twenty something. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait to see it. I think that they've done a good job of not giving away too much in the trailers. Like they're giving you enough to know, like, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna unnerve you a little bit. Um, so it, it it does feel like an event. That it's a testament to them that they took a hard R horror movie and they made it something that everybody wants to see. Yep, feels like victory. Feels like victory because guys, that is going to be the first horror movie review special that we're going to have on this podcast. Wow, how we've grown, right? I can't wait. I can't wait. I've got tickets for the 5th, which is actually the night before it's actually released. Oh, aren't you special? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Stephen King, so I mean, I've got, I've got to pull all, all my connections to do this stuff. Uh, but uh, I think we'll probably, like we usually do, we usually do our reviews on Sundays. Um, it is two hours and 49 minutes. So I'm, That is a long movie. Make sure that you, uh, you, you, you don't drink for breakfast. Just basically follow the, the end game rules. Yeah. Game rules. Just, 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 you know, don't, don't drink before the movie. Cross your dehydrate, your, dehydrate yourself that day. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, I, to me, everybody's oh, it's too long. I'm like, shit, that ain't long enough. <laughs> uh, apparently, the first cut of it, chapter two, was four hours long. They had to whittle it down to two hours and forty nine minutes. You are but, waiting for that director's yeah, cut. Aren't director's you? cut. <laughs> apparently, Andres Muschietti is already talking about that. He wants to put together like a super cut for uh, it, yeah. chapter one and two. And I'm like. 
give me like a six hour movie, man. Hell yes. Because there's so much left out. I just did my uh, my book review episode of that, and it was about 48 minutes long. And that was actually with me like kind of speeding it along, too. So uh, I could probably talk about that for a while, and I can't wait to talk about book spoilers uh, in the review after 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 the movie is out. And I don't feel bad about telling people the, the book spoilers now. So if, if they were smart... You take it chapter one, you take it chapter two, since re-releases seem to be popular. You release it in theater a week before Halloween, and then uh, you go nuts. Yeah, do do like a, a five-hour sitting. That would be that would be pretty fun. It chapter one and two before Halloween. Like I'm not even a big Halloween fan, and I'm like I would I would think about it. Well, I think you brought it up that we both the last time it came out we were like September. That's an odd setting, but it turned out to be brilliant because it, it kept legs all the way through Halloween. And I looked at the competition for it. Nothing here. Like Goldfinch. That's its biggest competition before Halloween. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. No, yeah, I mean eight we eight weeks to Halloween. So from the release to that, so it's it could be huge. Run there. And, you know, you never want to take this as gospel because Stephen King says all of his movies are good because he doesn't want to get ridiculed like he did for The the Shining for 40 years. But he said it's phenomenal. So he also said Pet Cemetery was very scary. So, uh, yeah. All right. Moving on to TV, I'll do this real quick because I know that you're kind of like, no, we've already talked about right stuff, you know, enough this show. But this is kind of a big deal for Star Trek fans is that – Star Trek, the rights are all officially under one studio again because Viacom and CBS uh, re-merged. And why this is a big deal is because, you know, the whole J.J. Abrams verse or whatever, the whole reason they created that parallel timeline is because they weren't allowed to make anything that was canon. So they had to kind of do their own alternate thing. And the whole reason J.J. Abrams left to go do Star Wars because he basically said, look – we need you guys to stop doing merchandising for the original series so we can have merchandising for this. And they pretty much said, yeah, we would probably be losing about like a billion dollars a quarter. So we're going to go ahead and pass. Uh, and you can't, again, the business side of it, you can't blame them for that. But why this is a big deal is they can actually get everyone together and say, let's get our timeline unfucked and actually like get this stuff all back on the same page again. Because, I mean, you would think about it with uh, the original series and the movies – then Star Trek Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, uh, uh, Enterprise. They were doing the TV connected universe long before your CW verse was doing it. So I'm saying they know what they're doing here, but it was when they split is when all the things all got convoluted and confusing and got taken off TV and stuff like that. I like Discovery. I'm okay if it ends up going the way of the Dodo because they want to course correct this stuff. I'm fine with that. I'm really excited about it. And it actually has to be okay now that the uh, the Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth thing didn't work out and they aren't getting this if this is what it caused because this can fix a lot, a lot of problems that I know that only probably really hardcore track fans actually know about. But uh, it's it's kind of a big deal. It really is. It's it's basically, this is the equivalent of, of Marvel getting all, getting X-Men and Spider-Man back. That's what this is for Star Trek fans. Are, are you saying that we could see a, a Star Trek Days of Future Past here? Huh? Uh, I hope so. I mean, I hope so. I mean, even though that Picard show looks really good, uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so. Uh, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, the, the details are still kind of leaking out, but it's just that, first of all, I hope that this means we can get a high-definition release of Star Trek Deep Space Nine now, which I think arguably might be the best Star Trek series, uh, but they won't they won't put out a high-definition release of it. Uh, so I'm hoping little things like that because they could decide who gets the money for it, you know? So now that it's all under one umbrella again because all the old geezers are dying – uh, <laughs> uh, I, I really, really hope they can do this and they can get their movies back on course. Because even though I enjoyed the Abrams first, I understand the hardcore Star Trek fans that did not. So uh, it's 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 a big deal. And hey, who knows? Maybe we'll get a continuation of the Star Trek animated series or something. So. I would say the the smarter move is, even though it, it is happening, it probably will take some time. So I think you'll still get Discovery and Picard for yep. a few years. Because the smart play is, as we've seen with Kevin Feige, find you someone that can like have a vision and like map it all out and like see it all through. Because the, to your point, it's a big deal for fans. You get one shot to like reintroduce it. You get one shot to like course correct and and really parse through everything. So my hope, especially as a, a fledgling Trekkie, 
don't rush it. Don't don't just see the money now and try to cash in. Take the time. Do it right. I, I have no reason to believe they won't because CBS has heavily invested into Star Trek as a franchise. I mean, they've. I mean, all access is essentially Star Trek driven. So do it right, and you could you could have this sprawling galactic universe and. I mean, it could be self-sustaining for decades. I mean, it already has, so I'm hoping if you can make it through the, the dark times. And, and look, I love Quentin Tarantino. I don't need to see his Star Trek movies. <laughs> I don't need to hear I don't hear Samuel Jackson saying, Scotty, beat me the fuck up. I don't need to hear that. I don't need to hear – I mean, it would be funny for like an SNL skit or something. But as an actual movie, no, I, I don't I don't need that. And even though I do think it would be fun as hell, it would just feel completely strange <laughs> Uh, at this point, I'd rather I'd rather see Tarantino do a Star Wars movie at this point. Uh, but uh, I, you know, that's that's just really really good news uh, for Trekkie fans. And Danny, there's some good news for Star Wars fans too, because our prayers have been answered. Hugh McGregor signs on to be Obi Wan again, but not for a movie, for a Disney Plus streaming series. Now look, we've gone on the record numerous times saying we feel like we are the only ones. Who did not ask for this? Everyone else over the moon about it. They're excited. Why? And I will say that when you go back and look at the prequels, Hugh McGregor was far and away the best part of them. But you got three movies of Obi-Wan. What more do I need to see? Do I really need to see him wasting away in a desert for 19 years? Do I need to see that? I started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, it's been 14 years since the last time I played this character. Maybe he's looking more like Alec Guinness these days. I don't. I don't know. I just don't know what they're gonna do with this. I have no. And I love you, McGregor. And you know what's weird? You talked about vamp, Pierce Brosnan punching vampires in the face. All I could think about was you, McGregor, because I looked at him like, dude, he doesn't look that different. He's in, the, he's in, the, he's in Doctor Sleep later this year, and I'm like, shit, he still looks the same. So uh, I don't know. I mean, we both know why we didn't want this made because we feel like it's already overexposure. But let's talk about what we think it might be. I. I guess. Was it really going to be him like being creepy, peeping Tom at Luke? I, I will say, if if I'm going to to be positive about this, I'm happy it's not a movie. Disney Plus, great. It's a great sandbox for them because they do need content. They need new original content. And you know what? I don't have to choose to watch a Disney Plus series. Like I can say, you know what? Nah, I've I've got three movies with. Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm good. I don't know what the the story is. Like, I think they said Obi-Wan defending farmers at one point. <laughs> Obi-Wan in a cave hiding out. Like, if it's like, I think I'm trying to think of the most exciting thing is like, is it Obi-Wan Kenobi Jedi spy? Like, hearing stories of Jedi's in distress after order 66 and he's trying to go out and save as many as he can. That's kind of cool. Like if you're telling me it's Obi-Wan trying to save the dying Jedi order and keep it alive, I could kind of get behind that a little bit. Obi-Wan on the run trying to evade, you know, the emperor's forces. I can kind of get behind it, but to me it has a very limited shelf life. It's either this one season or at most three quote unquote seasons. Um, but yeah, I, it, it will need a hook and it will need a hook fast because we all know that for 19 years, he was essentially Luke's guardian creeping, peeping Tom yeah. uh, in the cave. And what was he doing that is compelling enough to make a series like without drawing the attention of like the galactic empire? I don't need to see more than six episodes for the series because uh, anything more than that. Let's be honest, the Dune Sea Tatooine—that's a—that's a pretty boring ass planet. So unless it's what you're talking about, it's not taking place immediately after that. There, there's reasons that he actually left Tatooine and stuff. Okay, let's get into that. I guess if we've got to, I just think that it's such a big expanded universe. I think there's so many other characters that they could do something with, man. Just. Just like they're talking about rebooting the Harry Potter movies. You say you there's say so six, much shit out there. We'll do something different. You say there's six episodes. I would like to see a Sherlock style season. Oh, if you be yeah. hour hour and a half episodes, fine. That's great. Good. You've told the story. I don't need to see anymore. Just focus on. There's so much out there, and the, you they have not even scratched the surface on what Star Wars is. And like, just do all the crazy shit that you want to do. Just. 
get like do this and be done with it. Uh, you know what? I if you want me to pitch a show as as old guard Star Wars fan, is create a show called Star Wars Legends, and that is what they renamed the extended universe now as Legends, where basically they aren't canon, and do your alternate reality or your alternate universe Star Wars, and do some of those stories from the EU, and I think that would go a long way into restoring some faith amongst the old guard that's kind of walking away now. So uh, that's my pitch, Disney. Are you listening? I doubt it. Uh, let's move along. Uh, I, I have one ones? request, though. I have one request for a Hugh McGregor Obi-Wan series. I just want once in that series for him to say, I have the high ground. <laughs> oh, man. For sure. For sure. Be totally self-aware. That would be good. Uh, the 100, Danny. Season 7 will be its last and you actually like text me this, and I actually said I thought it was a good idea because I really think anything over six, seven years, you're starting to get in danger of fading away instead of burning out. You know, so I, I feel like if it's still as high octane as you said season six was, I haven't finished season six, or I don't even know what season I'm on. I think I'm finishing season five. If it's still as high octane as you say it is, I definitely think this is the way to go up before they start having to recycle storylines and do the same thing over and over again. Because how many times are they going to end the world? That's what, and that's what the showrunner uh, Jason Rothenberg said is, you know, every season we escalate and we escalate and we write ourselves into corners. Um, how many times can you do that? He allegedly already has the ending in mind and he's had it in his mind for a while. Um, I love season six. I thought season six was outstanding. I, I, I don't want to say anything because I, I don't want to spoil was you. Was it or- better than season four? Because I love the race the clock. Uh, season four's race the clock was good. Season five, um, I like season five. I, I know season five, the ending, some people are divided on as far as, uh, but I, I think season five of having all the different tribes, it was a great way to go. Uh, for me, season six, season six is a very personal season to each of the characters. And there's a lot of, a lot of internal conflict and a lot of like relationships that go through a lot of changes. And I think that it's some of the best acting on the show across the board from almost pretty much the entire cast. I, I'm i not surprised that Seven's going to end. I think Seven, I hope Seven will get a little bit, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Seven is a 16-episode season, so it hits that magic number of 100 episodes. That'd be perfect. A, for the irony of 100 of the 100, but B, 100 is that magic number for syndication, and I want all of these actors to collect royalty checks for the rest of their lives because this is this is a show that I, I was stunned that I, I loved so much. Um I'm glad I stuck it out to the first four episodes because at that point it just became an entirely different show. Uh, you know, I, I've gotten you to watch. I've gotten a hundred people to watch. Uh, it, it is the little show that could. It is, you know, we make fun of the CW because they have pretty people and, you know, this is a very pretty cast as well. But this is a show that is very un-CW-like because they have been ruthless. They have been merciless. Uh, this is a show that will get you to love characters. It feels very Joss Whedon in his prime. Gets you to love characters, and then it will rip your heart out, and it will crush it. And you know, it's kept that identity throughout six seasons. And uh, yeah, it feels like it's the right time to to do this because Eliza Taylor and, and Bob Morley should should go on and do great great things with their careers because this has been a, a really wonderful launching pad for both of them. Uh, first, I'll say I'm glad that the CW cast. Pretty people, uh, not mad at that at all. Um, what I've liked about the show is that, like you said, no one was safe. You know, they, 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 I mean, the first two seasons, there were deaths like Game of Thrones level shocking to me that I didn't see that coming because I didn't think CW had those kind of balls. You know, I mean, uh, I to this day, you know, I'll be like play wrestling, play, play wrestling my kid, and I'll be like, you are one crew or you are no crew. <laughs> So, I mean, there's just good pop culture stuff in there, and, and I'm going to enjoy binging the last uh, season and a half. And I'll just say, and don't tell me if it's happened yet or not, I totally ship Clark and Bellamy. And I don't do the shipping thing, but I totally ship <laughs> I won't say anything, but I, I will say the Clark and Bellamy relationship, it is – they have gone through a lot in five seasons, and, like, they really dig into that uh, at times with the six seasons. And there are some Clark and Bellamy moments that – I don't. I'm not a big shipper, but it definitely got me out of my seat. Where I'm just like, God damn it! And that's a testament to both Eliza Taylor and Bob Morley. Like they, they really do have a great chemistry, and they really, 
after six years, it really does feel like these two people have gone through shit with each other. And um, yeah, I, I, I just, I can't wait for the seventh season. It, it is a show that I, I could not recommend it higher to people because it is, it's astounding that this little show could get seven seasons, potentially a hundred episodes. And, um, and really there's maybe one bad, like one truly like, eh, what were you thinking? Season? But, even, but even it was better than most, mo- a lot of yeah. shows best seasons. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was better than, you know, a lot of the worst seasons of, or best seasons of some shows, but, uh, that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot for a CW show. And, um, yeah, I, I will definitely, I will miss this show, but it's nice to know that, hey, I got a year. Not only do I got a year, pretty much every one of these cast members could die at any point. So I, I know I'm prepared for some big emotional, like, gut punches. Uh, uh, 16 episodes. Nothing will compare with that one death I still ain't got over, and you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, last thing on this, because I don't want to spend I don't spend too long on this, but I'll just say one thing that I appreciate about the show as opposed to a lot of other CW shows, including Supernatural, which I actually enjoy, is that I don't feel like they've ever done the same season twice. I feel like they've changed it enough. They've took risks. We talk about like that second season kind of got questionable with some people. But, you know, they took a chance. They didn't just want to go out there and say, let's just, let's just run it out there and do season one all over again. I like that they've changed it. I mean, and the character growth, you talk about like Octavia. That's like a Cordelia Chase type evolution, that character. That's incredible. So You haven't even seen season six and what they do with her in season six. Like It gets crazier? <laughs> to, to me, uh Octavia, and I'm not going to say the actress's name because I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Is it pronounced Call Me? <laughs> but Octavia's character arc from one to six, it might be the best damn character arc I've seen of any TV character, period. Like, it is fascinating what they have gone and uh, that little girl that says, We're back, bitches. Yeah, yeah. she went from like the most annoying character to like my do not kill off ever list. Yeah. From what they've turned that character in into what she is now and what, you know, what she has been, is, it's astounding. And it's, again, like hats off to the show because they have, they've had a clear vision of what they wanted to do and uh, they get to actually play that out. So that's pretty cool. All right, man. Good luck. I hope they don't uh, lost or, or game of Thrones the last season for you. Uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on. I have more faith in this show than I do in those other two shows. Oh, uh, Hey, <laughs> you know, something I watched when I was younger and I went back and watched it when I was older and I was like, Holy shit, this is terrible. He man <laughs> and the masters of the universe. Uh, we already talked about the, the Sony production of the movie. Uh, basically, they were ready to start filming, and they decided they ran out of budget, and they just pulled everything. Uh, so apparently now, Kevin Smith, our dude, is going to be running, is was named the showrunner for a Netflix He-Man anime. Yes, an anime of He-Man. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a continuation of the original cartoon from the 80s. Wow, that's completely random, ain't it? This is the best that Kevin Smith could get? He can't get one of these superheroes. They're giving away superhero movies. He couldn't get one of them? He has to do a cartoon on Netflix, which he's probably crazy about. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's a big fan of it because that's just that's who he is. And I, he do, only does things that he has passion for. Um, again, if you're going to go to Netflix, that's great because you have a little bit of a security blanket because you know, like, cool, I can make a series and uh, I can tell the story that I want to tell. This is the most random as fuck thing, though. Like, he <laughs> Like, who's asking for a He-Man series? Like, I, I mean, you grew up with it, and you're not even asking for it. I always said I felt like they could do a movie of He-Man if they really wanted to get into, like, making it like Conan the Barbarian or something and really yeah. get into the mythos and making it actual, like, world-building and stuff. But, I, I mean, I guess they got I me. Mean, look, you look at, like, the Dragon Prince that they did on Netflix. I watched my kid, and I was like, man, the lore in this is really deep. So, I mean, I guess it can be done. It's just... It's a totally unexpected property. I expected Kevin Smith to be attached to. I mean, where is he going to put the dick jokes? That's a good question. I I I am with you. Everyone, there's so many hero properties, and he has not yet gotten the helm to a movie. Um, you know, I I wish he would go back and direct an episode of The Flash because those are money. Like he always delivers to goods. But Batwoman out there, like I would love to see him get behind a Batwoman camera for once and like be that director. Or even be in the writer's room. Like just do something. Um, so hopefully, you know, again, props for props to the dude for getting a job, but you know, I, I really am surprised that he hasn't gotten a shot at any superhero. 
Uh, let's talk about the post superhero life. And we got Stephen Amell's got ten episodes of of Green Arrow left, uh, or just Arrow. Sorry, I'll always call it Green Arrow. Uh, ten episodes plus the crossover event to end all crossover events. So he's looking at like fourteen appearances left as as yeah. Oliver Queen, right? Okay, so uh, he already has a job lined up though, because I was worried about it. Because you look at a lot of these actors, and it's like. After they leave a show, they'll try one other show, and if it don't work out, they just like disappear. Like, look at the cast of Buffy. Even Sarah Michelle Gellar kind of disappeared, you know. And obviously, David Boreanaz went on the Bones, and that was a big hit, so he had a career after that. But I'm just saying, a lot of these actors, you think, oh, they're going to have no problems getting work, and then they just disappear. I was hoping that wasn't going to be the case with Stephen Amell because he did that Ninja Trolls movie, and it was terrible. Not his fault. Not his fault. Completely miscast. But. I actually think this is a great, great casting because, as you know, he is a big wrestling fan. He had that angle with uh, with uh, Cody Rhodes at, at uh, one of the one of the WrestleMania, not WrestleMania, but it was just a WWE event, a pay per view. Uh, and he's just like I said, he's a huge wrestling fan. You know, he can take a bump and stuff like that. But he's got a job lined up with stars to do this wrestling show called Heels, which, from the sound of it, sounds like Glow, but for dudes. If that's the case, <laughs> man, I'm all over it because I'm we're in the middle of Glow season three right now, and I'm. It's good as always. So, uh, yeah, give give me a – not necessarily like give me the dude version, but, you know, give me the bad guy. Give me some of the behind-the-curtain kind of stuff. I'm all, I'd am i be all about that. I think that sounds great. And I think Stars is really underrated. That Outlander show is like in its eighth season. Uh, I love Black Sails. I think Black Sails is one of the most underrated shows that's ever been on TV. So uh, usually I would just kind of write something off because it was on, you know, Showtime or something like that. But uh, I'll, I'll give Stars a chance, and it's wrestling-related, so I'm already interested. It's, it's, it's our dude. I, I want to see him succeed. Yeah, I mean, love Stephen Mel. Love that he. I mean, love that he has already has a job lined up because, like you, I was like, mm, I hope he doesn't get typecast as the Arrow. Uh, this is a, a great natural evolution for him because, as you said, he is a he's a diehard wrestling fan. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, he tweets about it so often. He tweets about it often. He has appeared in ver- like three or four various matches uh, over the past three or four years. So he clearly has a passion for it. We know that he's going to do all his own stunts. And I mean, he knows he's wrestled. So I assume he will take more wrestling lessons and, and continue to get better there. Um, this gives stars an excuse to let him do the salmon ladder still every year. <laughs> on but I mean, the show also sounds like, it, like you said, it's like a glow, but it, Seems like it's a family drama of a family-run wrestling business and, and people with differing visions, and I assume the drama will play out in the ring as well. So it's great. Uh, you, you see what you see what Glow has. I mean, you go back and look at the wrestler a few years ago. Wrestling works as as a dramatic TV series, dramatic movie, uh, and if Stephen Amell loves it, I can only imagine what he'll put into it. Like he will. He will promote the hell out of it. He will give it all. He's a lot better of an actor now than he was uh, Arrow season one. So I, I would expect good things. And I mean, of course, I will watch it because you know, I, I love Stephen Amell, loves what he's done for Arrow. And the fact that he put so much of his prime physical years on a show like that, I mean, that's hats off to the guy. Yeah, I think he's one of the most genuinely likable actors out there right now. So I definitely want to see him succeed. Let's let's close out with some video game talk here. Um, I don't believe you're into the series, but we've talked before about how Borderlands 3 is a very big deal. Uh, it's coming out in about three weeks now, just under a month. Uh, I already got my pre-order in because, uh, you know, I mean, what dis- what's, what's a better distraction when school starts than a new video game, right? Uh, but I, I saw something really interesting. And, and, yes, guys, this is the kind of stupid stuff I read. Uh, on Forbes, Gearbox was uh, the company that makes Borderlands. Was talking about their uh, they're giving like their financial report, and they were saying that they have sold 22 million copies of Borderlands 2, and that they expect Borderlands 3 to surpass that. Oh, wow, that's that's uh, that's like Red Dead Redemption talk right there. But you know, it's already better than Red Dead Redemption, right? Uh, but anyhow. Uh, I think that's just like, crazy talk about it. I'm mean, super confident. I'm like, you know, they don't release like their pre-sale numbers or whatever. But I think about someone like me who's always like, uh, yeah, I can wait until it drops down, you know, in price or something like that. Or our buddy Kyle who flips back and forth between I want it, I don't want it. Even he's super excited about it now. So I was like, I don't know anybody really that's into gaming like constantly, like constantly games that isn't getting this game. So I, I think this is going to be a, a, a big damn deal. And uh, I mean, shit, I'm just excited. Maybe you could blow the dust off your Xbox and get it. 
I mean, I still play the Xbox, but, you know, uh, it, it could use a game. It, it really could. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. I'll, I'll look into it. Uh, but I guess the, the big story here is that Nintendo is putting out the Nintendo Switch Lite, which is, I just guess, just like a more bare-bones version of it that just plays games. Because, in my opinion, what have I been saying for years? You know what Sony and Microsoft did do? Put out your entertainment system and then put out just your game system and sell it for 300 bucks cheaper. Uh, Nintendo seems to be, like I, like we said before, they seem to be the only one that's listening to gamers anymore about what gamers want. We want mm-hmm. games. Anyhow, so they're putting out this uh, this stripped-down version, 199 I believe it comes with a game. Danny, is this plus the Switcher, Witcher, the Witcher coming out on Switch. I call it the Switcher. Uh, coming out... One ninety nine is this finally gonna be it? Is this because you've been talking about doing it for like at least a year and a half now? Is this finally gonna be what gets you? I I would assume so. I mean, I hate to say this line, but winter is coming, uh, which means that my glorious outside time will come to an end, and I will I will be cooped up inside for hours on end. Uh, the Switch has tons of games. I mean, I, I would love to finish Breath of the Wild, especially before a Breath of the Wild sequel comes out. There's the Mario game. There's Smash Brothers, Mario Kart. Uh, we know that a Pokemon game is coming, and we all know that I, I love Pokemon, and it's something that lets me play with my eight-year-old nephew who lives in Texas. Switcher, of course, is coming. Yeah, you know, it, it's happening. It's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I, I as much as I, I love my Xbox, I can't take my Xbox on the go. Um, so, again, it, you know, there will be benefits for, for me to have a system that I could either play on the train or, you know, take somewhere else for sure. All right. I'm, I'm hoping so for your case. I just want to play Breath of the Wild. That's all I want. You, I, I, I like it. It still to this day burns that I never got to finish that game. Hey, it's been like two years and we still play it. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's still awesome. I mean, my, my, my uh, seven-year-old actually finished it on his own. Unbelievable. Cause that's a hard ass game. Uh, yeah. he, finished it. he started over. He started. He started playing on like the harder difficult, like the master. <laughs> he said he couldn't even. He couldn't even get to the first tower before <laughs> he was getting killed by like Deku trees and or the little little Deku nut guys and, and the and the fucking bats were killing him. So uh, yeah, it's it has immense replay value. We even bought the DLC, which put like new shrines and new challenges and stuff in it, and they're even harder. Like it has one part where you've got to go through all these enemies and you've got just like a quarter heart. You can't take a single hit. It's just insane. It's insanely difficult, but it's so fun that you just can't keep. You just can't quit playing. So yes, I would say buy it just for that. But Metroid may be coming out next year. That might get you there. But I just you're a Nintendo guy. I just I, I can't know. believe you have. I done know this. it's you know it is one of those things. I, I, it will happen, and I will never look back. I know Black Friday, dude. They'll have this, and they'll have it like bundled with like Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild and a second controller or something, and that's going to be like a no brainer. I'll fucking I'll throw in for you to get that if you pass that deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, is there anything else you want to talk about? What you what you got planned for the next uh, next week or so? Uh, uh, you know, it's state fair time here, so hopefully, uh, definitely the state fair. It, isn't everything like frozen at this time of year for you guys? Or? No, it's still it's still a nice balmy eighty degree summer. So you know, wow, all right, all right. Yeah, no, it's mm. like uh, you know how you put like the sun visor up in your car to keep the sun out, and it's supposed to like you can touch it, and it's not a big deal. No, it, even that burns my hand. That's how hot it is out here right now. So oh, wow, yeah. It's like so hot we won't even go to the pool because the pool's just like lukewarm now. <laughs> so, you know, just a usual Houston summer. But, uh, yeah, good old school starts back for me tomorrow. But um, I think the way I put it was uh, the good news is this is my last year of school, but the bad news is I still have a year of school. So that's where I am right now. So. And this time next year you'll be – Yeah, yeah, it's cool because there's a – that's okay because there's a new Stephen King book out in three weeks. There's a new Stephen King movie out in two weeks. I'm good, man. And there's Borderlands three in three weeks, so I'll have plenty to distract me from school. You know, <laughs> See, you said two to three weeks. That means you get time to adjust back to school, and then it just yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, senior year. So there's a little bit of that senioritis kicking in, you know. But I, I, I kind of front loaded, so all my difficult classes are mostly out of the way. I've got I've got another law class, which I don't want to. But nobody wants to hear about this stuff. Nobody wants to hear about this stuff. I was just saying that's that that's. That's my plans, but uh, we're going to continue here to, if there's something to talk about, 
you know, we're going to talk about it. Like the Spider, we weren't planning to do this today. Then Spider-Man news broke, and I was like, okay, I can pull some stuff together for us to talk about. Uh, not having a show for like three weeks will give you some stuff to dig up to talk about. But uh, we are going to force it. We said we were going to do retrospective shows, and then we're like, we haven't done any planning for those. So we're not going to do a lost retrospective when neither one of us rewatched it. Right now, all we're doing is like last season. watch sucks. again. Yeah. Danny and Danny's all knee deep in his Game of Thrones rewatch, so. so. <laughs> all right, guys. Down. Well, thanks for watching, guys, and we will uh, we'll talk to you, if not next week, and not the week after that, we'll talk to you for the It Chapter 2 review when they all float. I can't believe Thanks for watching, guys. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the show. Just wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or YouTube, or all of them. Also, be sure to check out our affiliate, Geek Vibes Nation, at gvnation.com, where you can find some of the other features on the channel, like Mike's book reviews, the Geeks Against the Grain podcast, and lots of thoughts and opinions about geek pop culture. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you next week.